It's good to be in his presence tonight, isn't it? Remain standing for just a moment, just a moment. What a thrill and an honor it is to be with you, but what a special privilege and honor it is tonight to be in the presence of the Lord. I, most of us have been around a while and we know what's supposed to happen at church. We, we could pretty well do it in our sleep. We know when it's time to sing and to pray and to give and to preach and most of us know when it's time to go home. We've got all of it down. We know how to do it. But the fact of the matter is we do all we do, but if God is not present, nothing happens to change anybody. But... But when God is in the house, anything can happen. And he's here tonight. He's here tonight. Hallelujah. Why don't you just lift your voices and raise your hands and let's just praise him together tonight. Father, we love you. We honor you and we give glory and worship to your name tonight. You are worthy of our praise and we are here tonight for that purpose. We are here tonight to honor you and to lift you up. We want you to be pleased with us tonight. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We adore you tonight, our matchless Redeemer. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Now praise him one more time together just before you're seated, hallelujah. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Now you can be seated. What an awesome privilege it is tonight for Donna and I to be in Stratford Heights, to be Middletown at Stratford Heights Church of God, but to be here to meet so many of you and to have the opportunity to worship together. This is our first opportunity to have any kind of function in Ohio where we're together as a family. And tonight you're, uh, you're looking me over and I know you're not impressed. <laughs> I'm looking you over and I like what I see. We're thrilled to death to be here. I, uh, I heard right after I was appointed that there would be regional camp meetings. And my first thought was, how do you have time to do that moving in? But my next thought was, what a wonderful opportunity it's going to be right away to get acquainted and to spend some time together with the people we're going to be serving Jesus with for the next some time. So tonight, thank you for coming and being a part of this service this evening. Thank you for the good welcome that you've already given to the Higgins family and the Weaver family, allowing us to be Buckeyes, allowing us the opportunity to serve together in the state of Ohio. I'm already convinced that God has blessed us with this opportunity and this appointment. And you're going to be seeing us around a lot more and we'll have more opportunities to visit but just at the very outset tonight, let me say thank you for allowing us this opportunity to serve beside you. What a wonderful season this is. We're right on the 
the cusp of the coming of the Lord Jesus. And what that means to me is, is that this is the time when the Spirit is being poured out on all flesh. And you and I get to be a part of what God is doing in this end time move of His Spirit. I guess it would have been exciting to have walked this earth when Jesus was here. I'm sure that to be a part of some of those early church times would have been awesome. But I'm honest with you. I'm happy. I'm here now. I'm glad that the Lord saw fit to let me be a part of His kingdom and His doing at this time in history. You and I live in dark times, but what an opportunity it is to shine. We live in challenging days, but what a wonderful opportunity it is to share Jesus, the answer to every problem that this world is facing. I'm convinced that uh, it's not the same world that you and I grew up in, and I recognize that. I understand that, uh, that the world doesn't think very highly of us. Scripture told us that's how it was going to be. But in spite of all of that, the Lord is moving among His church and touching His people and giving us opportunities to impact and to make a difference. And I believe, I believe the church of God in Ohio is poised for its greatest day. And you and I will have the opportunity to see God do marvelous things among us. I'm looking forward to that time together. Would you want more time just because it's okay to do it in church? Give good praise to Him in this house tonight. Just offer up praise, Father. We love you. Hallelujah. 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 It's my privilege tonight on this, uh, this first meeting in Ohio to uh, preside over a time of ordination. And I um, did not want these candidates to have to wait till June. I remember when, uh, when it was my turn to be ordained, I was anxious and ready. And I wanted my opportunity. And so tonight I'm confident that, uh, that these two candidates who have come tonight and have met requirements and have paid the price are ready tonight. One of them came back to me in the, uh, the green room and asked me uh, what, what he needed to do tonight. I said, do you have your check? And... Uh, he looked at me funny and I said, you did get the note that you need a check. He didn't get the note and I didn't get the check, but that's okay. In the book of 1 Timothy chapter 3, there's a passage of scripture that's very important to what we're about to do for just a few moments. Let me, let me take this time for this reason. This is a faithful saying. If a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good work. 
bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous. One who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. We have two candidates tonight, brother and sister James Combs, James and Lois Combs, assistant pastor at the Rock Solid Church in Greenfield, and then uh, Timothy and Dana Evans, the pastor of the Mount Calvary Church in Lancaster. These candidates being presented tonight have been thoroughly examined in the area of Scripture, the doctrine of the church, the polity of the church. They've been recommended by their local church. Their local church has endorsed them. They've been deemed qualified by the ordained bishops who walk with them through the credentialing process. They're now ready to receive their charge and to have hands laid on them, which is the biblical example. This occasion is highly sacred. It's not to be rushed or taken lightly. And I'm asking the Holy Spirit tonight to use the words that, that I will say to spark afresh the call of God upon the candidates, but at the same time, I trust that it will speak to each of us as we reconsider our call and recommit to it. I'm grateful for the ministry of the Church of God but I remind you candidates tonight for ordination that the call that's upon your life this evening is not from the church of God, but it's from God. The call of God is not for part-time ministry. It's not a hobby. It's not just a career. But it is indeed the call of the Lord. You're never off the job. You don't push a time clock. You don't leave the office. You represent him in the church and you represent him in the community. You represent God to your peers, but you also are a representative of God to your world. Because of this, I challenge you before God and these witnesses to be worthy examples at all times, especially in the following four areas. In your personal conduct, live your life with a high moral standard. Treat people fairly. Never take advantage of your position for personal gain. Pay your bills. Do unto others as you would have others do unto you. I challenge you tonight to be an example in your family obligations best thing that could ever be said about you is that you're a family man and that you take care of your home. 
Love your wife as Christ loved the church. Love your children and bring them up in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. Never sacrifice your family for ministry, but live in such a way as to cause your children to love ministry. I challenge you to be an example in your personal conduct, in your family obligation, and in your community involvement. You're not just called to your church, but you're called to your community. I challenge you to take seriously the words of the Lord. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good work and give glory to your Father in heaven. Fall in love with your city. Love the community that you serve. I challenge you tonight to be an example in your personal conduct, in your family obligation, in your community involvement, and finally this evening, in your denominational loyalty. The church of God has invested in you and given you a platform for ministry. The church is not perfect. It'll never be perfect because I'm in it and because you're in it. We're not perfect people. But in spite of our faults, we've been called by God for these times. And we need men just like you who will stand up and help us reach the harvest and be the best that we can be. Instead of finding fault with your church, I challenge you to jump in head first tonight and help us be a better church. I want you to stand if you would and come and just stand here in front of me. Yeah, all of your wife as well. Come and stand in front of me if you would, please. I'm going to ask you four questions. Kind of feels like getting married again, doesn't it? Standing in front of the preacher. These are very important questions that I know the answer to already, but I think they're being asked tonight just to simply stir, stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. One, do you affirm or reaffirm? Do you reaffirm your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? And are you prepared to reaffirm the call of God that you know is upon your life? Do you reaffirm your stand for the first principle of the church of God, which is the whole Bible rightly divided in the New Testament as the only rule of government and discipline? Do you reaffirm your commitment to continue in the study of the Holy Scripture and your willingness to allow His Word to guide you as you perform the task given to you by our Lord? And finally, do you reaffirm your commitment to the church that is ordaining you and your desire to do everything you can to expand His kingdom on this earth? I believe you mean that. I'm going to ask you if you would to just turn around and I would like for my, my guests, Brother Weaver, the host pastor, all of our state council members who are here, along with our regional and administrative elders who are here, I would like for you to join me, if you would please, to come forward. We're going to lay hands on these brothers in, in accordance with the scripture 
And we're going to pray tonight for God to especially anoint them, to anoint them tonight with fresh oil as they proceed forward in this new phase of ministry. Would the congregation stand with me tonight as well? And I would ask you to pray with me also for God to touch and to bless these. Let's pray together. Come on in, gentlemen, and lay hands on them. Would you offer your congratulations with your applause tonight? Amen. be seated if you'd like to in the sanctuary. Give us just a moment. If you'll just remain here for a moment. I'm asking Donna's going to come. We have some gifts tonight that we would like to present to our candidates and so if we could uh, take care of that right now. One more time, would you give nice applause to them? You may be seated. God bless you.
Yeah. 
Listen to this. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. morning in our service seems like everybody wants to make God just you can serve Mohammed or you can serve anybody and it's all the same God we just got different names that's not right Mohammed didn't die for me Buddha didn't die for me and more importantly they never got out of the grave for me <laughs> to worship the Lord hard tonight. I want us to chase after him tonight. Lord, you are welcome in this house. Lord, we're just trying to stay out of the way. We love you, Lord.
church, give it praise. Come on, why don't we give the Lord praise tonight? I mean, give him worthy praise. Hallelujah. He is worthy of all the praise in here tonight. Can you hardly wait until we get there? I mean, this is just a little taste of what we're going to see and experience when we stand around that great white throne. The Bible talks about it. It says the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive honor and wisdom and riches and glory and power and wisdom. Man, I can't hardly wait until we stand there by his throne. You know when the angels have got to kind of step aside for a few moments? Because I've, I just kind of believe that the Lord is going to be looking for those who have been redeemed. Those washed in the blood of the Lamb to make their way through. I can't hardly wait for that time. How many of you are thankful the Lord has given to you more than you ever deserved? He's blessed you more than you ever deserved to be blessed. He has kept you. How many of you have had miracles take place in your life? Look around at you. The testimonies of everyone who's experienced that powerful touch of God. It's amazing. You know, I would tell you this about our Lord. You know, he's a giver. Got quiet then. I said, God's a giver. He's a giver. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You and I are products of that beautiful encounter with God and his love for mankind. We stand right in the middle of his plan, and we are blessed this evening. I'm going to let you be seated, if you will. You see, uh, God's a giver, not a taker. I'd ask our ushers, if you would, why don't you step forward, if you would, come into the front. And I'm going to ask, if you will, to come to the front, grab your plates, and kind of face the audience right here along the altar. God's a giver. It's not a taker. God don't expect from you what he hasn't already given you. He gave his son, we know, for salvation. You know, we know he gives us every spiritual blessing. He has blessed us coming in and blessed us going out. I have found him to be there when I've been on the mountain and what communion and fellowship there is there. But I have found that the Lord is there in the deepest, darkest valleys of my life where the Bible calls it the valley of Baca, the valley of weeping, God has been there for me. I could never give enough. I could never bless him enough for what he's done for me. I'm not asking you to, to just give an offering tonight. I'm asking you to give honor and worship in your gifts to the Lord. I'm asking you to allow the Lord to bless the ministry, the Church of God in Ohio, I'm asking you to allow the Lord to use you to minister such blessing that the work, the ministry itself will just be miraculous at every turn. The Bible says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I would ask you simply a question that should be easy to answer. Where's your heart? Where's your heart? What does it treasure? I love him so much. 
I love what he has done for me and how that I don't have to even worry about tomorrow because he's already there. This good shepherd goes before us. As we give in our offering tonight, our, our camp meeting offering will go to this first night to this meeting, to the camp meeting needs that we have and the expenses there. And we would ask you to give from your heart to bless the work that God is doing. You know, I believe that we are in our greatest day. It was said by our bishop a few moments ago, we are right on the very the brink of the Lord's coming. I can almost hear a trumpet. I find myself gazing up into the sky at different times, wondering on my little GPS on my car, have you figured yours out yet? Every time it gets to E, I'm like, woo! Looking to the east, waiting for the coming of the Lord. He's coming very soon and time is short. And we've got a lot of work to do. How many of you have unsaved loved ones? All across this congregation, those are the people we're giving for tonight. We're giving into the harvest, into the salvation of our loved ones, for our churches, for the work that God is doing in Ohio. So I'd ask you, and I'm, I gave you a little bit of a break, but I'm going to ask you to stand again if you would. We like to play up and down here. But I'd like you to do just a little bit more than that. I'd like you to come giving an offering. We're not going to come and take the offering from you. We're going to allow you to give your offering out of a thankful heart, out of a love for God, where your treasure is. We're going to let you worship God in this part of our service as good as we do in our singing and our praying and our preaching. Worship the Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Father, as we come before you, we honor you tonight and we thank you. We could never repay you. We could never pay an admission for, Lord, what we're receiving tonight, being in your presence. I honor you and thank you, Lord, for your gift to us, the life eternal that we experience, and, Lord, the promise of every good and perfect gift. We ask you to bless and touch every gift tonight, every person who's able to give. Lord, let them know and understand the truest blessings of your strength and spirit. I pray as we give, it will be an act of worship. God, it will come from hearts that honor you, that treasure you. And I pray it all, and I thank you for it in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And everyone together said amen. And as the choir comes to sing one more time, I'm going to ask you to get out from your seats and bring your, altar, bring your offering to the altar tonight. Would you do that with me? Thank you.
see your mic is muted.
may be seated this evening. Thank God for His presence in this service. Would you express appreciation tonight to uh, Pastor Gary Turner and the music ministry, the worship ministry here at Stratford Heights. A wonderful job tonight leading us. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you so much. Would you allow me just a moment tonight, uh, since this is our first time to be together, I would like for you to uh, meet some people, uh, one in particular that's pretty important to me. Uh, many of you have not yet met Donna. I know some of the ladies gathered early this evening. They love getting together, and they had an opportunity to visit and share and uh, get acquainted, but many of you have not met Donna. Donna, would you stand tonight, Donna? has been by my side for 35 years now. She was uh, gone this past week. Our daughter lives in Cleveland, Tennessee, and was moving to another place in town and needed help. And so mom gets the call. And so she's in Cleveland all week and came home late last night. And uh, I'm glad she's home. I've been missing my helper and my friend. I'm also delighted to have serving with me and with us, serving together with us in the ministry of youth and discipleship, girls' ministries. Uh, you've not had the opportunity to meet your new youth director and his lovely wife as well. Scott and Cammie Weaver come to us with uh, much experience serve well everywhere they've been and we're honored I'm, I'm particularly happy that they're here to serve beside me Scott and Cammie thank you for being here tonight stand tonight so this camp meeting can welcome you we're so glad that you're here amen and, uh, and, and preaching tomorrow night and Tuesday night is uh, my favorite See, I, I get to pick who comes. That, that's, the, that's the one advantage that you have of being the bishop. You get to pick who comes. And, uh, and I picked for my first meeting my mentor and a man that has just poured into my life and his lovely bride who's just like family to us, Larry and Jan Timmerman. Boy, they're no strangers to this region. I know you know them well in Ohio. Brother and Sister Timmerman, would you stand so we could welcome you back to Ohio tonight? He will be preaching, as I said, tomorrow night as well as Tuesday night, and you will want to be back to be a part of the two great services tomorrow and Tuesday. I do want to say before I preach what a privilege it is to be in this local church. Thank you, Pastor for your kindness to uh, let us invade your territory tonight and uh, to be a part of the great Stratford Heights Church. Brother Ray Phillips has been my friend for a long time and I love and highly regard and respect this man. Would you express appreciation tonight to Pastor Phillips and the Stratford Heights Church? Thank you. Thank you. October the 27th and 28th, that's a Thursday evening and Friday, will be our state minister's meeting in Columbus. 
I will have the opportunity on Thursday night to, uh, to share vision and to worship together with you in that service. And then, of course, Friday will be business and, uh, and, and more sharing together as we go forward in Ohio. So I encourage all of our credentialed ministers, especially to be in that meeting, but everyone should just plan to come and be a part of the Thursday night service. You'd be more than welcome, and we would be happy for you to be there for that time. But I'm glad that I have an opportunity tonight to share with you what's in my heart. I think it's going to take me tonight and Thursday of a minister's meeting to get it all out anyway. So I'll just go ahead and get a start this evening. But I want to ask you if you would to open your Bible to the book of Matthew chapter 25. There's a passage of scripture and I will admit that my text tonight is a little longer than I would normally read for for a scripture text, but I think it's important that we hear this parable of the Lord beginning at verse 14 of Matthew chapter 25. These are words of Jesus. I uh, I believe all the Bible, but I especially pay attention to the red words. And these are the red words. These are the words of Jesus. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. To each according to his own ability, and immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. Therefore take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. 
For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Father, I'm asking you to have your way in this service tonight. Thank you for what you've already done for us. We've been ushered into your presence. I'm confident that you're pleased tonight with what's happened here. So these people have given themselves in worship as they've, as they've reached up to you with their whole hearts. I'm confident tonight that you've touched them and I believe a good work has been done. But somehow, Lord, you made the decision to choose the foolishness of preaching to accomplish your work. And so I'm asking that right now you will do that in this place. That you will touch my heart, that you will touch my mind, that you will touch my lips, that you will use me tonight to be your servant in this pulpit. But I pray that all of us together in this place will have our hearts open to you and allow you to deposit in us what's needed to make the difference tonight. I'm asking you to accomplish your will and do it all for your glory. For it's in your name we ask it. Amen and amen. We all recognize tonight the importance of growth. We understand tonight that, that growth is uh, something we take pride in, especially as it relates to things like, like our children. We, we pride in their growth. You take that newborn baby to the doctor and that doctor gives you the report of, of how much they've gained since the last visit and how longer they are since the last visit. And there's a sense of pride because you know things are good. Growth means good. On the other hand, you recognize that where the children aren't growing and they aren't developing and you look around and notice that their friends are bigger and their friends seem to be sharper and, and things are happening with them that aren't happening with yours and there's a little concern there because you know where good health exists, growth should occur. Well, I'm confident tonight that as sure as we gauge good physical health by growth, it's vital that we recognize in our spiritual life we are called to grow. Peter said, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I think it's very important to note it's not by accident that this walk with God begins with what we call the new birth. We are born again. And as a newborn baby, we come into the faith and we accept Jesus and all things in the past are changed. And the Bible said everything becomes new. There is a dramatic change that occurs when Jesus comes into our heart. But yet the fact remains, it's important that from that initial birth experience that growth occurs in my text tonight, I believe that Jesus is communicating and pointing out to us the value that he places on growth and development. 
He gives us the story of a wealthy man who was about to take a journey. And he brings a measure of money to servants and gives to them with the understanding that some point in the future he will return and each servant will be called into account with how they dealt and handled the money. The Bible said to one he gave five talents, to one two, and to another one. The scripture says that he went away and then he returns. When he returns and it's time for accounting, the Bible said the one with five talents comes and says, Lord, I took what you gave me. I invested it and now I'm able to present back to you not just the original five, but five more beside it. The Bible said the Lord looked at him and said, you've been a good servant and now I reward you because of it. The one who was given to has much the same story. Lord, I took what you gave me and I invested it and now I present back to you four talents and Jesus or the master said, well done. But then the one who was given one talent comes and says, Lord, I know your reputation. I wanted to be careful with what you gave me. I know that they've told me that you've been known to gather where you didn't even scatter seed. I didn't want anything to happen to this money. And so I dug a hole in the earth and I've covered it and I've kept it. And now I'm able to present it back to you in mint condition. Nothing's changed. It's just like you gave it. But instead of being commended, the Bible said, the master said, since you knew my reputation and you understood what I've done in the past, you ought to have used what I've given you. But because you didn't, you are now cast into outer darkness and, and, and the, the punishment was severe, not because he lost the talent, not because he misused the talent, but simply because he took what was given and did nothing with it. I'm convinced tonight that that's the lesson in the story and the message tonight that God is calling and revealing to the church of God in Ohio. God has blessed us and been good to us. I'm aware tonight how privileged I am to serve in such a marvelous place where much has been given. I look at the churches of this state. I look at the talent that's here. I see all that's available to us and I marvel at the blessing that God has bestowed upon us but hear me as I stand in this pulpit tonight the blessing of God upon this state was not for beautiful facility and the blessing of God upon this state was not just so we could boast about our accomplishment but God has brought us into the kingdom to use us to make a difference in this world and tonight with God being our helper we will not dig in the earth and hide the Lord's money but we will invest what God has given and we will go forward as a mighty army of God a mighty army with banners and accomplish victory and see great things done for God well, give praise to him in this service tonight. Hallelujah. He is calling us tonight to go forward.
But how can we be sure that we go forward with victory? How can we be sure that the accomplishments we make matter? How can we be sure that that the things that we do are the things that God calls us to do? I believe tonight there are three things I'd like to share with you over the next few moments. Commitments that must be made if we are to grow as a body and accomplish the task given to us. Number one, I believe the call of God tonight is to commit to a life of spiritual discipline. Understanding tonight that if we are to be what God has called us to be, There must be a willingness tonight to plant ourselves, put down deep roots in him, and discipline ourselves to the call of God upon our lives. The word discipline brings out negative reaction from so many people. We think of discipline as self-denial. We think it as saying no to things that we really want. And whereas there will be times of denial, I recognize that discipline is not a negative thing. In reality, it's a positive thing. And it's something that we cannot live without. The dictionary simply defines it as training that corrects, molds, or perfects. It is control gained by enforcing order and by enforcing obedience. I believe that you would agree with me that many of the problems in America tonight are a direct result of the lack of discipline in our nation. We see the lack of discipline in government. They can't say no to the checkbook. They've just continued to spend money that they didn't have. That's lack of discipline. We see problems at home. We see problems in the family. We recognize tonight that there are those uh, problems that exist because of this discipline problem in our home. But whereas we easily recognize the result of the lack of discipline in the world, it's important to recognize that where there is no discipline in our spirit, where there is no discipline in our personal lives, we'll never be able to grow and be the servant that God has called us to be. I look around tonight at so many Christians that live their lives spiritually out of control. They're up and down, directed by their emotions, controlled by their moods, adversely affected by their circumstances. Friend, this ought not be the case for us. I recognize we live in this world, but I also understand we are not of this world. We live here, but we are not bound by this world. We understand the realities of everyday living, but we operate on a higher standard, and we operate with a different set of principles, and I refuse tonight to allow my life to get in the gutter and to live my life the way the world lives its life. I'm ready tonight to discipline myself. I understand tonight 
that when we talk about discipline, it's one of those things that, that, that conjures up all kinds of, of ideas. I, I know discipline is not something we volunteer for. I know discipline is not something we desire to have, but yet we understand its importance. But I understand as well in my life that one of the greatest problems and enemies of discipline in my life is my spiritual immaturity, my failure to understand its importance and embrace the disciplines of my life. Now, I remember as a little boy, my mom was keen on discipline. She understood it really well. And, and, and she explained it to me in very practical terms. And I usually got the picture quite well. But I can honestly tell you that there was never one time in my life that I felt like I deserved it. And there was never one time in my life that I felt like it ought to have happened. As a matter of fact, there were many times that I just felt like she didn't understand. I felt like that, that, that she just didn't get it, that, that somehow she didn't understand. The truth is I was the one that didn't understand. It's amazing now looking back over these many years how much wiser my mother has become and how much I see now she did get it and she did understand. Now, I never did volunteer for discipline. I don't ever remember. I don't ever remember going to my mom and saying, I blew it today. I just think I need to be disciplined. I never did that. That, 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 that never entered my mind. I may have known it was coming, and I ran as fast as I could to avoid it. But yet I recognized after a while that she really did understand, and she was doing what she did for my good. Well, I want to tell you as a believer today, I've got to grow up and understand that my father really does understand what he's doing. I've got to recognize that God is at work in me and he's directing my life and sometimes I've got to go to the woodshed and sometimes I've got to have things explained clearly but every time it happens, it's so that I can be perfected and molded and created into what he wants me to be. I'm telling you right now where you are may be pretty good but God's got more and God's got better and God is not satisfied and God is not pleased and it's not enough. I'm saying he is ready to take every one of us in his hands tonight and mold us and make us and perfect us into something truly beautiful and it happens when when we commit ourselves to a life of spiritual discipline, if you believe it, say amen to God's word tonight. But not only will my growth begin to occur when I commit and submit myself to the discipline of the Lord, but I believe when I begin to see my trials as opportunities for my growth, instead of seeing them as hindrances to my growth. God does a great work in my life. Now, I don't like the word discipline, but I think I despise the word trial even more than that one. I, I never volunteered for discipline, and I've never volunteered for a trial. I don't like trials. I don't like those times when I hurt. 
I don't like those times when I cry. I don't like those times when it just looks like things are never going to change and it's not going to work out. I don't like those midnights that last a long time. I don't like those times in my life when I struggle and it just seems like nothing makes sense. Those times are hard, but I've discovered those times are necessary because it is in those times that God teaches me. It's in those times that God works in me. I'm convinced. I, I've looked back at the trials of my life. I've looked back at those hard times that I didn't understand and I resented at the time and didn't think they were fair. But looking back now, I see the hand of God. I know God was at work. I know God was moving on my behalf. I know God was there all the time. I believe that what I've got to do is start looking for God in my trial. I've got to start looking for God in the storms of my life. I've got to know that he is not a fair weather God. He is not just a God that shows up when everything's good, but he's a God that is a constant in the difficult times of my life when nobody understands, Pastor, when nobody else sees it, when you know you've heard from God but nobody else seems to get it I'm telling you God is there and God is with you and in that time God is at work in your life I see God even in the hard times of my life I, I learned something a long time ago that I I've had to remind myself of often but I believe it was a life changing moment for me I remember going on a trip, a ministry trip one time with a few other preachers. We rented a van. And we're driving together to this event. And I'm driving the van that particular moment. The van's full and there's a guy over here to my right, of course, in the passenger side. And then there's a guy right behind in the second seat in the middle, leaning forward, talking. And we're talking about ministry. We're talking about all kinds of things. And, uh, and my, my friend in that second seat leaning forward talking, he was an avid outdoorsman. He loved to hunt and fish and, and he just loved the outdoors. And we'd be riding down the road, we'd be talking about all kinds of different things and out of the blue he would say, look over there, look at that deer. And out in the field, sure enough, there was a deer. We'd drive a little further and we're talking about whatever we're talking about and all of a sudden out of nowhere he'd say look at that hawk up on that high line wire and I'd look and sure enough there's this beautiful bird right there and that, that repeated itself in different ways throughout that trip and I got to thinking I'm in the car all the time I drive all the time I never see that deer unless he runs out in front of me I never see that hawk on the, on the high line wire. I, 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 don't, I don't see those things. Then it hit me. This guy lives for that stuff. And you see what you're looking for. Let it sink in just a little bit. You see what you're looking for. His mind wasn't on the deer in the field, but he's always looking. And when it came up, he saw it quick because he's looking. He's always looking. And you'll see what you're looking for. 
I've been with pastors that see every booger behind every bush. Y'all say booger behind bush up here? I got to learn to talk like y'all. I got some work to do, don't I? been with folks that it looked like everything they thought was negative. I've been with people that it just seemed like their whole world was always upside down and they never had any joy. And I, I, I wonder what's going on. It, it can't be that God loves me more than he loves them. But it dawned on me one day, you see what you're looking for. And I know tonight we live in a real world. I know tonight there's an enemy that's plotted strategy against your family and against your church and against your community. I know that there are challenges that you face. I'm not asking you to ignore that. I'm not even suggesting that those things are not real. But what I am suggesting tonight, that as sure as there are challenges and as sure as there are oppositions and as sure as there is adversity, there is also a God in heaven that says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I'll go with you all the way, even to the end of the world. I'm telling you tonight that in spite of every challenge that you face, start looking for God in the middle of your storm. Start looking for an answer in the middle of your adversity. It's there. His name is Jesus. I tell you, if God be for us, who can be against us? We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. We have victory and we've been called to triumph. Well, give praise to him in this service tonight. Glory be to Jesus. Jesus. Glory be to Jesus. Abraham, man of faith, father of Israel, called of God and said by, told by God, if you'll obey me, your seed will be as the stars of the heaven and the sand by the sea. The Bible said he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, being fully persuaded that what God promised he would fulfill. He doesn't know how it's going to happen. I can't imagine what it must have been like when he had to go back to Sarah and tell her what God had said. All I know is that she said, I'm old and you're old. And there was a real bit of question there how this could ever happen. But God spoke. And God spoke loud and clear. And Abraham believed God. And it was counted unto him for righteousness. And sure enough, that day came even in his old age that Isaac was born the child of promise and this man of God saw the fulfillment of the promise of God even in his old age but here's the deal this day this day God comes now and speaks again and says Abraham I want you to take Isaac your son that one that I promised
promised you, that one that I miraculously gave you, that one that you know is the fulfillment of my word in your life, I want you to take him to yonder mountain and I want you to sacrifice him to me. I don't know what happened. I don't know all the details. I just know that Abraham went to the servant and said, prepare the necessary things for the sacrifice. My son and I are going yonder to the mountain to worship. So Abraham and Isaac start up the mountain. There's the wood, the fire, and the knife, and Isaac sees it. And he says, Daddy, I see that, but I don't see the sacrifice. Where's the sacrifice? Abraham said, Son, God's going to provide himself a sacrifice. They get to the top of the mountain. You can see it however you want to see it. But in my mind, and I believe Scripture says it happened about like this, They put I, he put Isaac on the altar. He ties him on the altar. He takes the knife in his hand, and he's ready to fulfill just what he's thought God has said to do but about that time God speaks and says stop don't go any further I've tested you you've passed the test don't harm your son you don't need to go any further the Bible said about that time they heard next to them in the thicket the ram caught there and Abraham takes that animal and he lays him on the altar and he and Isaac offered it to God what a beautiful example of the provision the miraculous intervention of God what a wonderful story but something happened that day that I believe is very relevant to what's going on in this service tonight and somebody needs to hear what I'm about to say I believe had Abraham been able to say this to us he would say that place was my place of great trial that was my place of great testing but the Bible said that day he changed the name of that place he said from this point forward it will be called Jehovah Jireh the Lord will provide do you hear what happened do you get the connection the place of great trial became the place of miraculous provision the place of great trial became the place of great provision somebody hasn't got it yet the place of great trial became the place of miraculous provision and I'm here to declare tonight I'm going to say it without any hesitation there are those in this house tonight that find yourself on the mountain of great trial you won't offer that mountain you want to find another place to be but I'm declaring under the authority of God's word stand still and watch where you are become the place where God shows up with power and might and great glory he will turn your mourning into dancing. He will make the trial a place of provision. Well, somebody praise him. Give him good praise. Give him good praise in this house tonight. Hallelujah. Well, let me share one thing with you. One more. One more thing. I'm going to grow going to grow myself, grow my church, grow my ministry. I've got to submit to discipline. I think I've got to stop fussing at God about my trial and start looking for God in my trial. And then finally this evening, I really believe there's going to have to be a willingness on my part to change. I think I'm going to have to change. I don't like that word discipline. I don't like that word trial. 
I'll just go ahead and confess up. I don't like that word change. I love Donna with all my heart. But every now and then she's got some of the strangest ideas. She'll hear about some new restaurant and want to go there. That's risky. It might not be good. She'll say, but it might be. And I'll say, but it might not be. We know this place over here is good. I don't even need a menu over there. I'll just have there what I had last time. It was good. She kind of gets me out of my comfort zone sometimes and makes me try new things. Y'all pray for her because she's got a real challenge on her hand. <laughs> change doesn't always come easy, folks. Especially in the church. Especially as it relates to ministry. We get comfortable. We know what we like. We, we, we know what's, what feels good to us. We, we, we know what worked for us. We, we, we remember how it was when, when we first started and it was good and we liked it. We'd like to hold on. The fact of the matter is tonight, change is inevitable. It's not even something you got to like to do. It's just going to happen. And I don't know that it's always necessary to embrace it. But it is necessary to accept it. It's going to happen. Someone told me the seven last words of the dying church are, we've never done it that way before. <laughs> it's amazing to me. I will we'll stand up for some things, but yet some things are so important to us. I'm not talking about doctrine. I'm not talking about the power of the word. This doesn't change. We're, we're not going to change this. We're going to preach it. We're going to hold to it. We're going to stand on it. We're going to believe it. It doesn't matter what the courts say. We're going to stand on the word. It doesn't matter what the culture says. We're going to stand on the word. It doesn't matter what the politicians say. We're going to stand on the word. The word will not change. But, but, how we package it, how our, our methods, our communication, our, our ability to get it out there, it's going to have to change. We've got to recognize tonight that, that we live in a new world and, and we're not going to win this world with the same methods that we've always used. And I really don't want to be in love with my method. I want to be in love with my master. I, I, I don't want to worship at the altar of my method. I want to worship at the altar of the Lord. I don't want to be so in love with how I do it that I forget who I'm doing it for and why I'm doing it. I even want to get to the place today. I, I, I heard something the other day that, that they, they kind of shocked me and they said, which, which group in the church 
should you kind of put your service together for? I mean, who, who in the church, who, well, what group do you need to, to kind of get your music program lined up with and, and your ministry methods lined up with? What group do you need to kind of satisfy the most? And the answer came back, the group that's not coming, the group that's not there the people you're trying to win, the group that's never walked in the door, that might be the one we need to give some attention to and some focus for. Now, I don't want to offend you tonight, but I ain't going to stand flat-footed and tell you the church of God in Ohio is not here as a place for you to hang around and hope you can ride until Jesus comes. But the church of God in Ohio is here to go to the highways and the byways and the hedges and compel people to come. We're not here for us. We're here for them. It's not about us. It's about them. We're ready to go to the harvest. Well, give praise to him in this service tonight. Hallelujah. In Acts chapter 10, there's a story of change. I want you to hear me. Peter loved Jesus. Peter was committed to the Lord. Peter was used of the Lord. One day, he's on the rooftop praying and fasting. And he sees a vision. And he sees a vision of a sheet, a piece of cloth that just descends from heaven. And on that cloth are all different kinds of animals. And the voice of the Lord says, Arise, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter said, Not so, Lord. I've never touched anything common or unclean in my life. And God said, What I've given you don't call common or unclean. It happened the second time. It happened the third time. And finally, I think Peter might be starting to listen. God saying something. It was about that time that a knock came to the door. And some men are there at the door saying, We are here by instruction of our master Cornelius. He was in prayer the other day. And the Lord said for him to send for Peter that he had a message for him. So they invited those men in. They spent the night and the next morning early. Peter gets up and goes with them to the house of Cornelius. Well, here's the deal. You remember it. Cornelius is a Gentile. He's one of those common and unclean creatures on this earth. But Peter, when he gets to Cornelius' house, he walks in the door. No time for chit-chat, no time for formalities. He just quickly said, you know it's an unlawful thing for a man that's a Jew to come under the roof of one that's not. But I was praying the other day and the Lord told me I was not to call anybody common or unclean. 
tell me what's going on. And they began to rehearse to him what was going on. And, and he said, get everybody together. I think I've got a word for you today. And the Bible said that Cornelius and his household, they all gathered and Peter began to preach. And guess what happened? There was a reenactment of the day of Pentecost. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit fell in that room on those Gentiles just as he had fallen on the 120 in the upper room. The baptism of the Holy Spirit was given to the Gentiles. The revival came to us. And you and I are here tonight in Middletown, Ohio because of a revival that started that day at Cornelius' house. We are here because of that revival. But I'm presenting to you tonight, we are also here because Peter was willing to change. What had to change? His attitude. That's all. He had to stop calling people common and unclean. He had to get that prejudice spirit out of him. He had to understand that even the Gentiles were chosen by the Lord. He had to, he had to change his attitude. But here's what I want you to hear. That attitude that needed changing did not keep him from being saved. That attitude that needed changing did not keep him from being filled with the Spirit. That attitude that needed change, it did not keep him from being called to preach. But that attitude that needed change was keeping him from growing. It was keeping him from going forward. It was keeping him from being everything that God wanted him to be. Now I'll just tell you, you're looking at a bishop tonight that's not satisfied. I'm not satisfied I don't think I've gone far enough I don't believe I've accomplished enough I believe there's more that God wants me to do and I'm convinced that if I am to achieve my maximum if I'm to reach my potential it's not going to be wallowing around in what I was and enjoying what I had but it's going to be going in the deep water it's going to be going where I haven't gone before. It's going to be placing myself in the hands of God and saying, Lord, have your way. If you're ready tonight to change, God is ready tonight to take you to a fresh and a new place. But it happens as a result of our willingness to change. The music would help me. Please just begin to play something for me softly. Now, I'm calling you tonight, saith the Lord. I'm calling you tonight to go where I have destined for you to go. It's an unfamiliar place. It's a place where you've not been. It's a place that you have not even envisioned. But I am ready to do a new work. And I am ready to prove myself mightily in your lives. All I wait for tonight is a willing vessel. All I wait for tonight is that one who will submit and give themselves to me. I am ready this night 
to do new and fresh among you if you are willing to place yourself in my hand, say the Lord. Would you just lift your hands and your heart. Stand with me all over this building tonight. I think the problem that we have is that we look at the guy with the five talents and dream about the day when we can do that. Or maybe even sometimes become somewhat disenchanted because they can, but I can't. But I look at this text again. Yes, there was one with five talents. He used them. And he was blessed for it. But then you've got this other guy over here who doesn't have nearly that many, but he used what he had. And God blessed him and rewarded him for it. I'm convinced tonight that God's not impressed with any of our talents. He's not impressed with any of our abilities. But I tell you what does impress him. Our faithfulness. Our faithfulness. Our willingness to take what we have and to faithfully use it for his glory. And I guess tonight I've just come to Stratford Heights to see tonight if I can find anybody who will sign on the dotted line. Anybody in this house, you may be a pastor, a pastor's spouse, you may be a good lay person in the church, you may serve in other capacities, but the fact of the matter is tonight, you're not satisfied. You don't want to hide the Lord's money in the earth. But you want to be faithful. And you want to go where God's taking you. You want to be all that God's calling. If you feel that way tonight, don't do this because you think you're supposed to. But if you're ready to go to the deep water, you're ready tonight to do what God says do. Step to the aisle. Make your way to the front. Join me in the front. I'm calling you tonight to come, 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 come. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, lift your hands up. Let, let him begin to touch you. Let him touch you. Let him touch you. Lift your hands. Use your words. Begin to speak to him tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for your response. Keep coming tonight. I'm ready to go where he's calling me. I'm ready to go where he's calling me. I'm ready to do what he's calling for. I'm ready tonight. I'm ready tonight. I'm ready tonight. I'm ready tonight. God bless you. God bless you. Come on, lift your hands up now and begin to call out to the Lord. Begin to call out to the Lord. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to say yes to Him. 
Don't be afraid to say yes to him tonight. Hallelujah. By the power of the Holy Spirit tonight. Come on, church, pray. Come on, church, pray. Hallelujah. presence Lord you just reach over tonight and begin to pray for somebody. Just lay your hand on them. Lay your hand on them and begin to pray. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray tonight in faith. Pray in faith tonight. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Troubles vanish, troubles vanish. Hearts are 
together tonight. That's a wonderful oh, song. I know the peace speaker. I know him by name. I know the peace speaker. He controls, he controls the wind. confession tonight. Make it your confession. I know the peace speaker. I know him by name. I know the peace speaker. He controls the winds and rain. I come to you one more time tonight thanking you for trusting us allowing us to be a part of your body a part of your kingdom at this momentous hour in history thank you for calling us together as the church of God in Ohio and giving us the privilege to be your voice in this state at this hour. Tonight, Lord, I'm just going to speak for all of us. We're ready tonight to give ourselves wholly and completely to you. We're ready to go where we haven't gone. We're ready to do what we haven't done. 
thank you for the victories of the past. But, oh, God, we ask you tonight for fresh oil. We ask you tonight for fresh fire. We ask you tonight to breathe on us afresh and anew. I pray that you will set us apart and use us as never before as your voice and your hand extended in this state. Thank you, oh God, for your blessings. And we're committed tonight to being your people. And we thank you for it all in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I know that we walk by faith and not by sight. But I'm just going to make a confession to you tonight. It sure feels good and right in this house tonight. And I have... uh, I've never been happier, Brother Timmerman, with an assignment than the one I have tonight. I pledge to you, I pledge to the Holy Spirit tonight to be a voice of the Lord, to lead as He leads. And I'm confident that God is ready to take us to a fresh place in Him. I love you. Thank God for you. And I look forward to working with you and serving you. I believe we're in for a good time. I'm excited already about getting back here tomorrow night and turning the evangelists loose. I'm ready to hear the word of the Lord from Brother Timmerman and believing God to give us signs and wonders and miraculous outpouring tomorrow night in the camp meeting service. You need to be back. Do what you got to do to make it happen. God bless you tonight. Thank you for being in this service. God bless. I just want to stand.